You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, Sid Talk. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Was you just taking a drink of water? I can see that that cup that you've got there cost four ninety nine from Home Goods. Aww, that's my friend gave it to that's me. What, it says what does it me? say? Life is beautiful. Capture every moment. It's a cup for a photographer. Well, it's not for a photographer. It just happens to have a camera on it. I'm not a photographer. And the camera on it looks like you drew it. But I take pictures of a lot of stuff. My friend gave me this. For no reason. It wasn't an occasion or anything. So I'm drinking my water out of it. It's very nice. And uh, I'll take that sticker off it because it does ruin the effect. I don't care how much it costs. Could it cost her 20 cents at a garage sale? I don't give a shit. It was a gift. I just mean it. Why I, do you I don't care? Like, don't like the sticker, not Guess the Guess what? When I take a drink, what am I not looking at? The bottom of the cup. Ta-da. <laughs> that was not the before the after the show discussion. No, we were talking about comic books. Comic books. And uh, how much comic books are worth and stuff. You know, like people collect comic books and sell them for ridiculous prices. And I own one, two, A small three, collection. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten... I own about 12 comic books in total. What are the other ones? They're not digital. Uh, I've got Jay and Silent Bob, the whole... Um, yeah, we have Jay and Silent Bob, yeah. and then we have the Spider-Man um, collection that Kevin Smith wrote and had Spider-Man and the Black drawn. Cat. Yeah, he did a... In 2002, he did a six-issue run for have Marvel. Have you read them? Yes. I've read them digitally. I've not actually read these yeah, issues. because those are in a frame yeah. on the wall. Well, shitty frame. <laughs> let's, well, not, let's not sound too fancy. They're in, like, shitty poster frames with cardboard behind I was going to say, that cardboard behind you could Spider-Man theme that. Draw something on that. It's a Spider-Man theme. Of course I could. You need to do that. Well. Um, but anyway, I've got six, the six, the whole run. And the first one is signed by Kevin Smith. And I thought, oh, let's see how much that is worth. Because it is from 2002. It is quite a while ago. It is, And yeah. Kevin Smith is... Bigger than he was back then now, you know. Oh, not really. He's smaller lost a lot of weight. Dun, dun, dun. Bigger in uh, fame, fame, famous. People are going, who's Kevin Smith? Because it's not exact. it's like, it's a niche thing, let's be honest. And Kevin Smith, why you think, why has Kevin Smith wrote a comic book? Well, he's actually worked with Marvel for many years, including recently he did some um, DC stuff as well. He did some uh, Batman stuff. But um, he wrote this series and... I have the first issue signed by him, and I went and looked it up on the comic collector's thing, and it was the first issue is worth $156 if it's unsigned. And if it's signed, it's worth $156. <laughs> so don't think if you've got somebody's signature on something, that makes it worth more. It could make it worth less. I told you to. Don't get too precious about it, because if I can't pay a bill, I know where to do, go, what to do. Take that sucker out of that frame and sell it. Hopefully somebody buys it from me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's only worth what one person is willing to sell it for. But anyway, if you've got a collection of comic books... It would be worth, if he die, worth more if he dies, which we don't wish that Or on. not. Ah. You know, it depends, doesn't it? It depends how... That was a very limited run, that comic. Um, you can buy it now from Amazon, but it's like a... you know when they This com- is not a comic book podcast, by the way. When they compendium them back together, and you buy all six issues in one book... You can do that now, but you can't buy them single comics. So, um, yeah. End of comic book talk. So, I know you're bored of comic book talk. I'm not bored of it, I'm just saying. I think um, I mostly read, I read comics quite a lot nowadays, but I read them all digitally. Uh, And that Marvel 
unlimited thing, which I haven't got yet, but I'm really tempted. It's a hundred dollars a year. Don't look at me like that. I don't know. Uh, no, it's not a hundred dollars a year. It's sixty-nine dollars a year, and you get access through Marvel's app to all of Marvel's comics, all of them, digitally. Um, you don't get to keep them. You always have to subscribe to read them. But all the new ones that come out every week and all the old catalogue, $69 a year. It sounds really too good to be true almost, doesn't it? If you read comics, I know you're not getting the collection thing. Yeah. But you are getting to read them all. And this is not an ad for Marvel. Trust me. They're not giving us anything for that. No. But I do love Marvel. I wish. So it is Saturday, April the 16th. This is after the show number 423. This is a podcast where we review movies, and this week we are looking at The Walk. It's a 2015 movie. It's out on Blu-ray now. It's rated PG from our friends at Sony. And Sid will give us the synopsis of the movie The Walk. A man put a wire between the Twin Towers in 1970-something and walked across it. Exactly. (laughs) And this is a caper of how that happened. Yeah, so... um, Going on to the movie The Walk, uh, I will ask you, first off, I saw the documentary Man on Wire on Netflix, which is the documentary version of this movie. A version of the movie. Documentary telling of the real life story. This is more of a Hollywood um, movie version of the story. Uh, It is literally a Hollywood movie. I was fascinated by the documentary. I remember at the end of it, it was like, wow, that was an amazing documentary. The documentary is really well done, considering they've got no footage of this event, only photographs. And it's still compelling. They they tell it in a way that it feels like a heist movie, but it's documentary. So um, you have no knowledge of the uh, event. Didn't even know what movie we were watching. So what did you think of The Walk? Here's one. I, I'm picking one out of five words every week, and today's word is fun. I could do a fun dash inspiring. So, but fun is the number one because it is quite like lively and you know mixed with inspirational. But I mean, it's not going to inspire me to go do some big massive feat of any kind. However, it kind of wakes that up in you a little bit if you're. Artsy fartsy person, as I like to say. And I don't think everybody is. I mean, everybody can learn a skill on how to paint, how to draw. Everyone can learn it. You can learn a technical skill of any kind. Put a pencil in your hand, train you, teach you. You'll be able to draw like Rembrandt. Like you just could because it's a skill, right? You may not have the heart of the artist. You may not have the desire. You might find it boring and it may not come out with that certain thing. Well, the technical but you ability, do it. yeah. But I think the people who have the heart... With the personality traits of this guy, and I would say I have it about 50% of me, where you see the world in a different way. You know, I don't drive down the street and see all the trees and see the trees or ignore the trees. It's like, it's like a feast of lines and like shapes and my brain is not seeing the world. It's seeing a layer of something else and I think... His mind, from what we can tell from this, and then the little tiny bit from the extras, it's just endless possibilities in the world. And I think that comes through to me in the kind of vibrant, you know, and that wakes that up a little bit in me. Like, you know what, if you, you do have a weird dream of some kind, people do all kinds of shit, don't they? He did that. People climb Mount Everest. People, you know, do whatever. Like, 
Yeah. And it gives you that little bit of, may not make me go do it, but it makes me realize we're all really in our little constraints of what every day you're sort of in this box to do. You wake up, you do the thing, you get a job, you have a baby, you have a family, and then you die. And there are only certain people who sort of branch out from that, and then other people who branch, like him. I mean, nothing is accomplished by this feat. Just art. But the way he said, yeah, the way Gordon Levitt said it, whatever his name is, Joe, Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt, that in and of itself, experiencing a piece of art of any kind now, to me, that's a performance art, you know, wire walking or... Dancing, ballet. Any of that. Even just experiencing that, in that moment, is a thing of a human experience that, you know, you there's really difficult to define or to put into words. And so this feat, it wasn't like he was rescuing somebody or he was raising money for charity. There was like nothing attached to it that we think balances out the sort of frivolity of it or the danger of it for what no reason or whatever. A lot of people would look at that and say, stupid. What's the point? You could have killed yourself. Yeah, what is the point? (laughs) Big deal. But then people look at a Picasso painting and say, ugh, my kid could do that. That's the person who subtracts that little actually some thing. Pe- some people could say what's the point you could have killed yourself and injured many people yeah for doing that or you know you cost you cause a lot of trouble the police the money the whole thing right? correct and in this day and age first of all it probably would never wouldn't go down not you know I mean, not ha- on a actually, huge building it does happen because people base jump off like public buildings and they get arrested for it so but, people do do like things. the Dubai buildings yeah people. like go and jump out of a hotel window like with a parachute or something so people do that stuff but not quite as intricate as this that's spur of the moment isn't it I'm gonna go up to the top I don't of, think it's spur of the moment no but I'm gonna go up <laughs> to the top of the hotel and jump off it doesn't need planning it just needs you ready to do it, right? No, it doesn't that need... requires a lot of planning and understanding physics. I mean, you need to know that, but you don't need to go up there and set a load of stuff up. You just jump out the window. Like this, you mean? This right. required a lot of this physical planning. Setup. Yeah. Like, which nowadays you wouldn't get nowhere. He was in the lucky position of the buildings weren't finished yet. He was right on the end of them being finished. So Lots on that of construction. Top, nobody was really there on those top floors. Um, it was a different world as well. I mean, we're talking about the Twin Towers that are gone now because of terrorism. And some some of this movie, when I'm watching them sneak in and sneak in the box, and you're thinking, like, your brain is different now. Yeah, it is. Because that would be... I don't, I'm not going to say it's impossible to, to happen in a building because people are clever little shits, aren't they? When they want to do something bad, they're going to figure out a way. Not but, that this was something bad. No, this was. I'm no. saying, if someone wanted to do something bad, still they could get it. They could get on with it. But this kind of thing, your brain is different. If 9/11 had never happened, and we were watching this movie with the twin towers still standing, my mind would never have gone to the place of like, wow, they're just they're sneaking in, able yeah. to accomplish that. I mean, that's amazing. I would never have thought that before. So. But yeah, this movie, um, the first thing that I really like about this movie is the way Robert Zemeckis is a very romanticized filmmaker. I've always said that about him. He He is. He's like a Love Actually guy. Yeah, I think back to Back to the Future even. Everything is very Hollywood-y, like everything's cool and everything's happy. And He doesn't have a lot of darkness to his movies and this doesn't have much darkness either. 
even though there is darkness in this true story because I just went and read it that's kind of skirted over and it's more of an inspirational tale yeah I like how it starts with the Statue of Liberty and um, it's framed in a way Joseph Gordon-Levitt breaking the fourth wall talking to the audience and telling his story that way I like that framing of a movie he was trying to reach into that French slash European, you think of Amelie or some yeah, other I do French kind too. of movie where there's black and white and color imposed on top and a little bit of wackiness and, a little bit here and there. And what better to juxtapose Paris with America as the Statue of Liberty because it does exist in both places. So Well, it was from France. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's I like that. And the first part of this movie where it is in black and white with shots of with some things in color and then it goes to color... But that whole, it's very Amelie. That's the yep. thing I was immediately, I was like, wow. It's a little pretentious because these days it's it's like, ugh, whatever. But it wasn't, I thought, ugh, are we going to do I this the whole movie? I thought it was appropriate for this, yeah. But it opened up and then as you get to know him, you and, realize and go, he okay. sees the world. It's about art. Exactly. Yeah. And it's about this guy and he's unique. Like, he's really unique. He he's on his sees. tricycle. He's yep, he focuses unicycle. on the thing he wants and then he does and the rest of the world is probably and that's where darkness could come into it because relationships would be difficult with this man because he is definitely focused I thought that actually and they do try and like there is just like one scene really in this movie where it's his relationship with him and his girlfriend and you can see like a crack like because of how focused he is Eh, and she shouts at him but it's not really there's a lot more to that. Yeah, yeah. So, but in this movie, none of that's covered. But if you think about it, that this thing applies to anybody who is very driven. If you think about any person musician. running for president, yeah. a person who's a famous musician, and not just a famous musician, but someone who devotes every minute of famous their life. people, just celebrities, like you know, who always. Yeah, have... that doesn't mean they've devoted their life. And I mean, you can get famous and not do fuck all. I'm talking about people who are devoted to a skill or to a thing. And that thing is the track of their life, and everything else is just a passenger here and there. And there's no getting off the train. Like, those are the people that I would think he's that type of person. And you have to either get on and ride along with him, or get on and off. And yeah, just because deal he with is it. not. Her as his girl is not. If she said, Look, I don't want you to die, so don't do this, he is still doing it. Yeah, right? of course. So you have to be in that. With him. Like, this, you have no... I mean, he already knows in himself he could die. Yeah. If but, that's not enough. But it enough, doesn't matter. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? He's... The way they portray him, He do, that is not entering in. No. His mind. He d- he's thinking of, this is performance art. Yep. This is what I'm doing. There's actually no... Uh, to me, I'm going to do it. I like that at one it. point he's putting his passport in a little pocket in his shirt. And that, to me, tells me he's envisioned... Even on there some level. There could be a moment somebody needs to identify <laughs> yes. me. <laughs> but at some point I could be a splat on the sidewalk and there's yeah. going to need to be paperwork. That's the only like yeah. moment where I thought, oh yeah, okay, he is thinking of that. Because he's not... every. He's very confident, isn't he? He's a very confident man. You right? have to be, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you have to be confident to do anything that is like... You have to be a, to be a pilot, to be a, a mine worker, to be... Uh, Anything that's extreme. I mean, a ship's captain going on a ship into the middle of the ocean, even as a passenger, even though we kind of subtract that from our experience as a cruise person, but you're a fisherman or a ship's captain or a, you're a marine on a ship. I mean, or an astronaut. You're, you know, your fate 
could be directly tied to that stepping on that ship or stepping into that whatever, and that's it, because that thing could gobble you up and spit you out. So I think that he has a little bit of denial mixed with it's going to be grand if I live and it'll be grand if I don't. Yes. <laughs> no so, matter what. So the first third of this movie is this artistic kind of origin story of him, like how he was, how he became interested in it, how he was trained... Uh, I thought that was really cool, mm-hmm. like him in the circus and, you know, sneaking into the circus. All very romanticized, though, you know. Very. Very, very little detail. Like, it's like, oh, here he is yeah. up and in the circus tent, here he is... It's all very little road. detail, like, how yeah. do they accumulate all of this equipment? Yeah. There's no explanation no. how they get money, none of that. It's all, that's all not part no, of the story. No, it's just a very... It's It's not a lot of detail, but the main events are covered. And it is very, it's quite accurate to what really happened. Because you've seen, I've seen the documentary, and just read about the comparisons. There are only a few things that are different, and one of them's that a helicopter shot, which I thought watching the movie, that seems reckless of the police to sure. do that. So that did not happen. I mean, yes, there was a helicopter in the air when he was on the wire, but it, in the movie it made it look like it was very close to him, which it was not. But um. So then the first third of the movie is that, and then it moves into this. Like you said to me, I love heist movies. And this is like a heist movie. But they're good guys. They're not going to kill anybody, hurt anybody. They're just there for what they're doing. Which gives it this different feel. Because you know it's not about bashing somebody over the head or shooting anybody. It's about sneaking and doing your thing. And and the tension Zemeckis brings, I thought, when they're on top of the building. Yeah, really good. They're just... All they're doing is like um, threading a line from one side of one tower to the other. But that whole sequence, I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, and you know it gets accomplished because you know. And I knew, he but the way it's <laughs> yeah, I know the ultimate outcome. But I was on the edge of my seat. Is this going to work? Like, how is this? How is this happening? Like, you know. So it was it was done really well in terms of suspense. Um, the other thing that I wasn't expecting from this movie was comedy. It's like very funny. Like the movie is like played quite lightheartedly. The interactions between the different characters. The there's a lot of caper when it's like so a caper. It's like, it's like French a caper. European sort yeah. of uh, that dreamy thing. Still, all of it which is which is odd from an American filmmaker who's not got any background of that stuff. If you think of any of these other movies, then yeah, but there he's, is not he's, a a, he's a he's a middle aging, past middle aging dude who's into cinema, so he but, understands uh, the sensibility that he's bringing. I think. Now it, it was a. Uh, a flop, this movie. Uh, like a huge flop in this. Aww. It's Zemeckis' biggest flop. It cost like 100 and odd million and made like 20 back. But I don't think that's about the movie. I don't think that's a flop because this is a bad movie. Because I think this is a really good movie. I think, I don't know, maybe people had seen the documentary and didn't want the story again. I, I No, I don't think so. Or it's just not that interesting to people, that story. I don't know. Or what did it come out against? You never know. Mm. But um, it's not because this is a bad movie, because it is actually. After watching Point Break last week, my uh, standards were pretty low this week. <laughs> when you said we were going down to watch, and you said we're watching Point Break again, I was like, ugh. <laughs> and I said, I think I need to watch the original Point Break just to cleanse my palate of that awful movie last week. So my standards are pretty low, but that's not saying this movie is low standard, because it really isn't. It's like a huge Hollywood movie, it's got fine performances, the story's. 
absolutely interesting to me. I love like daredevil-y type stuff because you know, like I, I want to see like somebody do like an evil can evil movie like well as well. You know, because yeah. I think he's really interesting too. But that would need to be a little like this one. You either go yeah. dark and gritty because he's not. Yeah, but I'd like he's it not to a be, savory character. No, I'd like it to be like this, like a, like evil can evil the hero of America. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but his family and the people who knew him be like, he was a dick. Yeah, <laughs> I don't why, want that. Why are we romanticizing this dick? So I'm saying he either needs to go grit, hardcore. Like, this thing is driving this guy. And it's probably not the thing of being a great stuntman, but give me loads of money. That's not very romantic or interesting, really. It's- now, what this guy did, walking between the Twin Towers on a single tightrope. Think about what he did. You could say, yeah, well, it's stupid, risking your life, whatever. <laughs> it is... That has to be terrifying for any human being, even this one, right? As, at least the beginning of it, when you step onto it and go, am I actually going to be able to do this? I, think I don't he did, I think they did a good job of explaining that feeling, though. He yeah. just made everything disappear in his mind and looked at the cable and... Don't look down, but he did look yeah, down. Yeah, a lot of things that involve physical... Stuff like mountain climbing and rock climbing and surfing and um, any extreme kind of sports, even like skiing down a mountain. I mean, you have to get over. You mean like Point Break? No, no, <laughs> not like Point Break. They, well, were, they were daredevils. The, stair- the stunt people yeah. really did that stuff. Mm-hmm. Those people have to face that every time they tip their board over the top of that mountain and there's rocks and cliffs and shit and... They have to face that every time, too. So I think that's a... This isn't an extreme sport, but it kind of is. Extreme art. (laughs) Yeah, and like the last 30 minutes of this movie is a man walking on a tightrope for 30 minutes of the movie, right? Where you think, well, after a couple of minutes of seeing him on the tightrope, that will probably be uninteresting. No, I was riveted the entire time. Because I didn't know what it... Until he stepped, until the finals of him being safe again, I felt... Like he was in danger, and I knew what was going to happen, <laughs> which is weird, isn't it? Because I know that. Yeah. So that tells me something's done well. It's not like I forgot that he didn't fall off. I knew he wasn't going to fall off, but I felt like he was going to fall off all the time. <laughs> I felt like it was so totally dangerous. Yes. Spoiler alert: He doesn't fall off. <laughs> no, but it's a real life event. But um, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting, different time. Like, because there was no video footage of it. Like, hardly, yeah. Well, the guy had a video camera, though. That's what we're doing. Yeah, me well, out. I just read. They made there a was point no. of showing the guy wind his film in what will look like It might like have been a still millimeter. camera, though. No, it was like an 8mm camera. Maybe it never came out. Maybe, it, Maybe it's somewhere. Well, um, remember, like, in, in the old days, sometimes film mm. was overdeveloped and then you, and you could, nothing happened. Like, you, you took there are the lots of photos. And people obviously witnessed it, so... There are lots of photos. The photos are very grainy and kind of bad, but... Um, yeah, there was... It's a different time. It'd be good if it was a big hoax. That if it never happened. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> it did happen, but... <laughs> it's not, it, Who do we have to testify to that fact? This man. Okay, but he's the man who wants the attention, <laughs> so... And interestingly enough, the real guy, Philippe Petit... He, um... Felipetit. He is still tightrope walking. Yeah. <laughs> and he's still planning he's some big things. He's going to Easter Island yeah. to walk between two of the statues. Between the two statues. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's always been doing stuff. He's been doing circus stuff. He's been doing... He's never stopped doing this stuff. He's, he's a man of 
like he said, I this is what I do, and I will never stop doing it until I can't do it when my legs don't work. So um, let's get on to the cast here. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the main guy, Philippe. Uh, what did you think of him? He's good. I mean, you do kind of wonder if the accent and stuff is right, but then when we hear the real guy, I'm like, I get it. He was around him a lot for mm-hmm. a few weeks and kind of picked up on his the gravelly of his voice. And You, know, you might think at first when he starts talking. Sounds kind of like... Fake this, French this accent. Is, this is one of those dumb Hollywood, uh, like, let's... Oh, ah, we His mean. accent is fine. Yeah. His hair is what was pissing me off. Yeah, it did have some bad hair. Oh, my God. Why was it a wig? Just, or was it yeah. Just, no, I think just, it was just a bad haircut, but... I don't think so. Um, it looked bad. It looked different about five different times. He also had uh, blue contact lenses in for the reason the real guy has blue eyes, but I didn't also, I didn't feel that was that actual necessary. I don't... I never noticed. Well, I just noticed how blue his eyes were all the time, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt oh, has brown eyes, so it's, um, it was a bit odd. But I was like... That's acting. But not a necessary thing, really. It doesn't but do it anything. It doesn't do anything Because he doesn't really look like the guy, so it's not like, oh, let's make him... It doesn't do anything for you, but it obviously meant something to them. Like the crappy hair. Ugh. But um, I thought he did a really good job of it, because it, this, this role's really physical. He had to learn how to tightrope walk. I'm not saying he tightrope walked really high or anything, and he was he always had a safety line on him if you looked so in the next. balance, and but he really did have to look like yeah. he was a tightrope walker. So he, you might think, oh well, he just did you know did a class for a week. Well, he did a class for eight days with the real guy, and the real guy taught him how to do it. So physicality was spot on because he's taught by the real guy. I mean, if he'd have done it with somebody else, it might not have been exactly quite as good. But um, I I rate Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think he's really good. Like he's a good actor. He's a bit. He's very theatrical. I got to yep. say that. But in this, this matches this movie because this movie is very theatrical. I could see Joseph Gordon-Levitt on stage. I feel like he'd be a really good stage actor. I think he does. Yeah, that's how he he feels yeah. like that. You know, another guy who feels like that to me. Um, but spring, that's what this Philippe Spring Petit Breakers guy is all about. Franco. Yeah, but Philippe Petit is a performer. Yeah. You know, he's a not a circus and he, performer. And he captured that. Yeah. He captured that flamboyantness that like when you know he's going through Paris at the beginning on his unicycle yeah. and he's juggling and he's tipping his hat to people. It's just a little bit Yeah, but that's how the guy He's is. an artist, right? Yeah. And you, and I think that Joseph Gordon-Levitt was a good choice for doing it. Uh, ben Kingsley plays Papa Rudy. One of the best Ben Kingsley's Ben Kingsley's I've seen in a long time. Yeah, he um he's like a mentor to him. Uh teaches him a few things. Yeah. I mean, he's not in it a lot. But he's good. He's got a good accent as far as I know, and his he's not like a cheeky, weird character like he does sometimes. Just an inspirational guy to him. He gets a lot of help from him, and he picks up a lot of inspiration from him, I believe. Um, the uh, female who plays Annie is uh, Charlotte, Charlotte Le Bon. She's a Canadian actress. Um, she really looks like Winona Ryder. I kept thinking of Winona Ryder when she was young. But uh, what did you think of her? She's fine. I mean... Really romanticized. Yeah. Even you could feel that it was really overly romanticized. This real, this musician girl with the long, flowy, wavy hair. Eyes. And the big eyes. And, you know, the tenacity to, like, keep him going and all that stuff is a bit much for me. I liked her. Um, she was fine. But after reading the about the real relationship between these two, it's, it's phony Hollywood. Uh, yeah. It's very phony what's in this movie so it's constructed yeah. that relationship uh, James 
Badge Dale plays JP. He's got a few friends who help him. Steve Valentine plays Barry Greenhouse. And Caesar Domboy plays Jeff. What did you think of these three? These are his accomplices, basically. It could be anybody. They're fine. The JP guy is funny because the thing was... The two French guys are just speaking French to each other, thinking that this New York guy in the store, the pawn yeah. shop, didn't understand him, and then he starts speaking French and saying, you think you're the only two who speak French. <laughs> and it's a thing in real life, because if I hear two people speaking Spanish or Russian or something, you know, in your presence, they assume, that you don't a lot know. of times, not yeah. always, but they're assuming that the, the American in the room is not... So you don't know, I mean, I'm not the person who goes, oh, they're talking about me. But obviously they feel free to speak. And if you were to turn to them and speak in that language, you would get that look a it lot. It would be like, a shock. Oh, shit. Yeah. How do you know how to speak Russian because or whatever Because we were just dissing everybody. And <laughs> yeah. You... <laughs> so, yeah, that must happen all, all the time sure. in real life. I've never happened to me, ever. But I'm, I'm, it must do, right? It must happen. Sure. Because I can speak fluent Spanish. I don't appear to be the person who speaks fluent Spanish. So when there you could can be people speak. in it, no, no if I could, yeah, yeah. I could be in an elevator with a bunch of Spanish speaking people or go to Mexico with my mother, be around a bunch of Mexican people who are speaking Spanish and them having no clue that I'm understanding everything they're saying. True. But I don't, I wish. So this is directed by Robert Zemeckis. You all know who he is. He, he directed Forrest Gump, Back to the Future trilogy, Contact, which I really like. It's a good film. And Castaway, obviously. Um... What do you think of Robert Zemeckis? Have you been always been a fan of him? I think is it's generic in a way, but then it has his thing. I think Contact's one of my favorite movies by him. It is, but it's also the same. It's, it's really very, out there, like. it's, eh, <laughs> but it's also fluffy and like you know, it's got that edge. It doesn't have any edge. There's no like danger zone. It's just like it's very. It's like a film world that he always creates. And I'll say this also for Michael yeah, Bay. Yeah, because... Michael in, Bay does the same thing. He has this. He has a thing of his thing. It's like our world. It's our universe. All the laws mostly apply. Yeah. And yet, they they lay put a layer of like fantasy on top of it. Yeah, and they 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 they're movies. They're distinctly movies. Then they're, they're not trying to be a documentary ever mm-hmm. or a. A real, you know, like something like Spotlight. That we, they're not trying to be that. Yeah. Where it's very dramatic. They're trying to be an uplifting thing that you will entertain somebody. That's what they're. So they're not trying, trying to, be. to be Point Break. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's none of those things. Oh my god. So I really like Robert Zemeckis in a. It's a, it's very fluffy. He's not like Spielberg. Spielberg can be fluffy, but he can also be very serious. Schindler's List, for instance, compared to E. T. Zemeckis, well, the bridge one was serious. That's what I'm saying. Spielberg, you know, Schindler's List and E.T. They're very far apart and, you know, he can do both things. I Zemeckis, don't you remember this. E.T. is darkness. Because it's like the government coming to, like, you know, do some crazy shit. That's dark. That's, yeah. But that's not a kid-friendly thing. Well, Indiana Jones or something. You know, he can be both things. He can be an entertaining... Like, but, but Zemeckis, I think, is a one... He's this type one of... One-trick pony. But that doesn't make it bad. Because even, like I said, even something like Castaway, which is a real dark subject and really horrifying, and it doesn't feel that way when you watch it. It just feels uplifting and, like, all the way... There are moments where it's bad, but you never feel, oh, my God, this is so grim, everybody's going to die. I never feel like that with that movie. And that movie's an uplifting, you know, horror... In another person's hands. Yeah. 
it, you would feel terrible half all most of that movie, <laughs> wouldn't you? Um, so yeah, Zemeckis is a certain thing. I like what he is. You know, it's not my favorite. I wouldn't say he's my favorite director ever or anything, but I think he always yeah, produces a quality know. thing. If somebody showed you ten movies and you didn't already know who directed them all, you wouldn't be able to go, oh, that's Zemeckis. Because you might mix him up with the Love Actually guy or some other person who does the whole romanticizing everything guy. So um, extras on this Blu-ray are uh, deleted scenes, the amazing walk, first steps, and learning to walk the wire. Um, There are a couple... They're basically ten-minute long... They're not making-ofs. Because it doesn't really show you how they made it. They are interviews and stuff, right? One of them tells you about the real life thing. It, does, it was good. It does have the real yeah. Philippe guy in there quite a bit, showing how he trained Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And there are some deleted scenes. Um, and I said to you, oh, well, it'd be cool if, the, if there's a real life thing, but go and watch Man and Wire. That is the real life thing. That, yeah. There's a whole documentary right out there that you can go and see. Too bad that's Netflix. not on the extras. Too bad, but it's a different company and all that and it is a film in itself so but you can go and watch that almost everywhere so if you want to see the real life thing go and see it uh, go and see that somewhere else but as far as extras go for this movie i think it's fine and it showed you how they showed you this movie was filmed primarily for 3d it wasn't though really it, it was, was filmed converted. and then converted and he tried to make that sound like a good idea like that was better than real 3d can't be good can't yeah. be better no i i've not i Actually, I've always heard the opposite, that converted 3D is worse than real filming with two cameras. So I don't know what that guy was talking about, because I've always heard the opposite. Yeah. Um, So in conclusion on the walk, was it better than Point Break? Yes. Oh my god. Was that even a question? I'm not talking about the original Point Break either. Yes, it was better than last week's movie. Yes. Um, Is that going to be a new question every week? Was this one better (laughs) than last week? It's a... The walk is a really entertaining uplifting look at a real life thing but it is not exactly how the real life thing went on it's, it's got Hollywood to, spectacles it's meant to on. give you the, the feeling that even though this guy risked his life and potentially other people's safety in this crazy wacky thing that he was focused on getting done to my knowledge at least that it wasn't spoken about in the movie or in the extras and I haven't seen anything about it like he didn't try to promote it ahead of time or anything right no. he didn't have news media no. show up none of that so Essentially, he was trying to do it at six in the morning. Could have been nobody even noticed. Mm-mm. And I don't think it would have mattered. The potential for, for nobody seeing it was always there. And so that tells you something about a person who's driven to accomplish He's something. not David Blaine, who's like five months before. Hey, I'm going to be standing yeah. in look New at me, York. Look at me, look at me. Look at me, everybody, yeah. for five months. So what that tells me is, if I decided... Look, I'm going to do a hundred pieces of art, and I'm going to rent my own space, and I'm going to do my own art gallery opening. Fuck the art gallery world, because I'm never going to fit into that. But I want to do enough art so that when people walk in the door, they'll look around and be whatever. Whatever it would be. I could do that. There's no restriction on that, other than some money and some time. That if I really was focused, if I want to become a master gardener, like, it's out there to do. There, there, I have no excuses. If I want to ride my bicycle to work, I have no excuses. I have no... Nothing's holding me back from these things, except... You. The things that you think are in your way. And so, while some dreams... I mean, I'm never going to be standing on the moon. It's not a goal of mine. But, I mean, that's a 
it's not unrealistic, I guess, if you're a 10-year-old kid and you decide, I'm going to stand on the moon someday. It could be a little out of, out of the circle of possibilities, but hey, do what you gotta do to find out how to get there, right? That's what it does for me. And that's why the style of it isn't... It's not like a cutting thing of like, look at this guy who's probably fucked in the head because he thinks he can do this weird thing and then he pulls it off and luckily nobody gets hurt and it costs the city $20,000, you know, all that shit. Like, that's all the grown-up stuff, right, that you put on top of things. Yeah, this is like more... This is like, open your mind and do do the math. You know, it's your life and if something out there is, you can focus on it to do, then give it a go. So, yeah, I recommend this movie. And it's PG. You can watch it with your kids. There's nothing no. objectionable in here. He hops around naked for a little bit, but it he's not... It won't hurt any kids. It no. Won't, it won't. <laughs> You'll laugh or head off. Yeah, I think it's good for everybody. So, you know, it's one of those movies. Fun for everybody. You know, a 70-year-old or an 8-year-old. Um, so, yeah, thank you to Sony for the Blu-ray. And uh, if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. You can enter some contests, whatever they are. Next week's Blu-ray review is Johnny Depp in Black Mass, which sounds uh, dark. <laughs> Ooh, it's hot in here. Um, yeah, so are you hot because Johnny Depp's coming up? <laughs> no. Uh, Johnny Depp does nothing for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll be looking at Johnny Depp in Black Mass next week. So movie recommendations. I am going on the theme of The Walk. I'm actually going with Man on Wire because it's a very entertaining documentary. One of the best documentaries I've seen. So, see Man on Wire. My other one is on the theme of Robert Zemeckis, and it's Castaway. I think it's a really entertaining movie, Castaway. It is funny, it is action packed, <laughs> and uh, inspirational at the same time. Makes you want to learn how to start a fire. Yep. That's for sure. And mine are going with the theme of in 2016, we're going to talk about every single movie that I've ever seen or been able to keep track of. And this week I'm in the A's, we're moving down to the ALs. And we start with Ali G in the house. Not a great movie. Mm-mm. Just a fun, weird. I like Ali G, but he's better <laughs> when he's just doing the Stand interviews up, yeah. than doing the. In the house is just an idiot movie. Weird movie. Isn't it? Yeah, it's stupid. Alice in Wonderland. I've seen a couple versions of Alice in Wonderlands. I kind of like them all. There's Alien, another one coming up. Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection. And? And the, la- the next one. <laughs> There's a, yeah, a Prometheus is part of it. That's not an A. It has to be an A. Do you understand the way this works? Prometheus will be next, like, 2018. Because I'm not working there. I have have over 2,000 movies on this list. So those are my recommendations, not based on quality. Based on my list. There's a lot of quality. There is a lot of quality movies in there, though. Alien Alien series, to me, is one of my favorites of all time. I don't like the whole series. I do like the first two incredibly a lot. You can't pick and choose. Yeah. It's all or nothing. I love the first two. The fourth one, I dislike. Uh, The third one, I'm kind of so-so. Dislike parts of it. Dislike parts of three, but I don't... But it's not so much that I wouldn't sit down and watch them all I think one is a masterpiece, and I think two is a masterpiece in a different way. The different. They're not masterpieces. That is so hyperbole. Oh, I know. I think... I, I think... Alien, the original Alien, is a masterpiece. In, for sci-fi, it is a masterpiece. It is, it is everything. It's suspenseful. It's action-packed. It is like a horror movie. It's a sci-fi movie. It's just... There's not much to beat it, for me, in sci-fi. Hmm. It's the opposite to Star Wars, obviously. Because it's more... Because Star Wars is definitely not a masterpiece. 
In sci-fi. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, uh, what I mean is See? the tone. Yeah. It's like a horror movie in space. Um, but Star Wars is Star definitely Wars not is. a masterpiece. I think we need to define what masterpiece is before we can apply that. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I could watch the original Alien and Aliens. Yes. Yeah. Over and over and over and over. They don't deteriorate. They're just always good. Like, it's always suspenseful, always cool. I like them. So, games and A-Scully stuff. I've been playing uh, Enter the Gungeon this week. Enter the Gungeon. It's I like, get you. It's like a dungeon with guns. I get you. It's a cool game. It's 8-bit style, which is becoming kind of like the norm these days now for games. Like, it used to be a cool, um, ooh, people are making games that look like old games. But now, like, almost half of the games that come out look like old games. So it's not really a gimmick anymore. It's just kind of how it is. <laughs> so Enter the Gungeon is a game. Where you enter the gungeon, and you go down into the gungeon, and you're one of. How many times do you have to say gungeon? And you're one of five of these gungeoneers. <laughs> oh my god! Um, the whole game is themed around guns, and in a funny. Really. Way. In I'm a shocked. in a funny way. So there are many guns to collect, thousands of guns to collect, I believe. And the whole idea is you go down into the gungeon, and you fight. Uh, it's top. You know, like a top-down mm-hmm. game where you can see the dude and then this enemies. You go into a room and you use your gun to shoot the enemies from... And you clear out a room and then you explore the next room. And there are things in the dungeon, there, or the gungeon. There are um, treasure chests to find. There's a shop where you can buy new guns. And you f- each time you go down into it, you can die really easily. It's a very, very difficult game. Like, four or five shots and you're dead. But the idea is you keep coming back to find the next gun. To find the next gun. And every time you come back and find a new gun or find a new thing, it unlocks that. Making the next time you go down there slightly easier. I get you. So eventually, you know, you've gone down there so much, you can take out the bosses because you've got cool guns. Some of the guns in the game are hilarious. There's a gun fires bullets that are letters that spell the word bullet. So, and, and when you fire the whole chamber, it says bullet, 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 bullet. There's, you remember the uh, duck hunt from the Super Nintendo where you fired at the TV screen with the plastic pistol? Barely. It's called the SNES Zapper. There's one of them as a gun. There's a lot of weird, there's the gun from Aliens, the flamethrower, there's different there's a boomerang gun. I've not found all the guns, but some of the guns in here, they're just silly. There's one that shoots both ways, which is weird, because it's almost... It actually would not work in real life, because... Of course not. It's a suicide gun. But it doesn't kill you. It it's just called shoots murder-suicide gun. <laughs> How could it not kill you? It goes through you and kills whatever's behind you. Oh. You just hold it over like this. Mm. <laughs> like, it is hold it out. Yeah. Hold it in front of you. Just... It seems like you're holding it in front of you from the very crude graphics that this game has. Oh, look at my dirty fingernails. It's a cool, um, it's, it's called a roguelike or a roguelite. It's that kind of game. It's, it's a game that's so hard, you have to keep playing it to get better at it. And and this is fun. Yeah, well, at the beginning, some would say this isn't fun because it's way hard. I mean, it's super hard. You wouldn't last 30 seconds in this game. I can barely get past the first level. But there's something that makes me want to keep going down there and finding the next gun, because it might be better than the... Well, it always is better, usually. Um, but it's really fun. It's um, got really cool music. 
it's that 8-bit art style or 16-bit art style, I would say. Um, so yeah, Enter the Gungeon. Pretty cool game. The other game uh, I've been playing this week is Quantum Break. I'm not really that far into it, so I can't really say tons about it. But what it is, it's from the guys who made Alan Wake, if you remember that game. Mm-hmm. And this one is quite interesting in concept. Um, but like I say, I'm not too far into it. But the concept is, it's a game about time travel. Something go, Some guy invents a time machine and something goes wrong. We've all heard that premise a billion times, right? Um, but what makes this game interesting is it. all the people in the game are Hollywood actors. You'll recognise everybody in the game. And graphics have got so good now, the character models look exactly like the people who... So you're like, oh yeah, that's that guy. It's like if Bruce Willis was in this game and you're playing him and you're like, oh wow, yeah, it's Bruce Willis. You know, now... Back in the day, you could barely tell who anybody was, but now they're so good, the characters, you can tell. So, this game, it follows this story. You play this guy called Jack, and he has a brother, and there's this time machine that's gone wrong, and you're trying to get to the bottom of what happened. There's a big corporation. Sounds familiar also, doesn't it, to any any time travel thing you've ever seen. But what's really unique about this game, what sets it apart from everything else that you've ever seen, really, is there is a TV show... In the game. Um, That might sound confusing, but it isn't when you're playing the game. So, you play an act of the game, and it's a a game. You're running about, you're doing time powers, you're shooting people, you're stopping time. You've got these powers. And then it gets to this junction point, and it says to you, Okay, so you've been playing the hero. We're going to switch to the baddie now, and you're going to make a choice as the baddie as to what happens in this story now. Now, you're the baddie all of a sudden, and you can make a choice, and that choice is going to impact when you play the hero again. So, for instance, the first choice you get to make is, as, a, as this company, Monarch, they're called, and you're the leader of Monarch, the bad guy, do we, this guy Jack, who's this time travel guy, is causing trouble. Do we go after him and try and take him down and but people are thinking he's a hero so it'll make us look shitty or do we take the PR route and try and make him look like a hero and then take him down in the background so you get this choice that you have to make and that choice will impact the hero next time you play but then what happens then is you get a 25 minute TV show and it's with these actors who are in the... It's an actual TV show that they filmed. It's like a sci-fi channel show. And the TV show's been filmed in multiple different ways. So whatever you did in the game, the choices go into the TV show. So say in the TV show, you chose to trash a room. Uh, in the game, you chose to trash this room up and smash all the computers. In the, in the TV show, when the TV show starts with the real actors that you sit and watch for 25 minutes... There'll be a part in it where it, where somebody goes, "Who ruined this room?" Like it, it I get you. It, it kind of. So you're switching back and forth from the game to a real TV show, a proper TV show, something like you'd see on Netflix. And the main, the bad guy is Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. If you remember that guy, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. He's the bad guy. The good guys are two brothers, and one of them's one of the hobbits. Um, and you'll know which hobbit I mean. Not Samwise, not 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 the main Hobbit, the other one. 
Samwise isn't the main hobbit. No, I said not Samwise, not the main hobbit, oh. but the other guy. Do you know, you know what I mean? two other guys. Yeah, those two other guys, they're in it. Okay. Right, so so all these people, you, you all... see them as one hobbit? Yeah. <laughs> so you know all these people's faces. And that when they're in the video... This is what's weird about this game to me. They're in the video game and you're like, oh yeah, that's hobbit guy. That's little finger from Game of Thrones. That's that black guy who's got a really deep voice who's in everything with a bald head. He's in, he's in all TV shows. He's like, hey, hey, why? I think that's an exaggeration, but I don't know who you mean. You you would know exactly who he was. He's not in He's in TV like show. CSI, and he's, he's that guy. Like, no, I'm not saying literally he's in all TV shows. It's just a figure of speech. I'm saying <laughs> he's that guy who you've seen on TV. He's always like the FBI director. He's got a suit and a tie. He's in it too. And you see them as game characters, and you immediately know who they are as actors, which is definitely a breakthrough in games, right? Because you wouldn't previously. Right. I mean, you wouldn't, would you? You'd look at a game character and go, is that supposed to be... Well, that's happened in the last few years. Yeah, but this is, like, spot on. Like, And what it does is it transitions sometimes into the movie, into the TV show, from the game, and you're like, holy shit. There's a movie too? No, the game, the TV show. Okay. Into the, The TV show's a movie, like it's a movie file that plays... Okay. It's not a game. It doesn't it's not really a movie, it's a video. A wow. video that's actually okay. filmed. It's not like they took the game characters and made them act. Like, which is what had happened in Uncharted, for so instance. you go from live action to video game. Live action, live action. to video. Okay. And when it does transition, it is very similar. It's jaw-droppingly like, oh my god, like, I just went from playing the character and now he's a, a live action, but I didn't notice it happen. So it is, it's a weird experience. And, and stuff that you did... Happens, starts happening in the show. Very specific things, like you'll... At one point, there's a board on the wall with an equation on it, and your scientist brother says, this equation's not finished. Whoever finds this, if we're traveling in time, and somebody finds this in the past or the future, this isn't finished, they're just going to mess this up. Like, if they do some time travel experiment, this isn't right. So he, he finishes it. Then in the TV show, some guy goes, somebody's been writing on this recently. You know, there's things like that that happen where, where you're like, wow, that's, I did that. That's, so it's, I don't think I'm as amazed as you, but I'd have to see it. What's amazing is the transitions between yeah. actors and video game actors. And it doesn't actually look that different. What's the name of it again? It's been a long time. Quantum Break. Okay. So uh, that is on the Xbox One and the PC. Um, so you can pick that up now. It's an interesting game. I'm not... And it's by the guys at Remedy who did Alan Wake. Alan Wake's a cool game. I really do think that is a cool game. This doesn't feel quite as cool as that, but they're definitely trying something new. Because it can't have been cheap to make this TV show. Just to be a video game cutscene, really. And the, the, this five of these TV shows during the game, and they all last about 25 minutes each, so... It feels weird having to sit down and watch a 25-minute cutscene because you don't generally do that in a game. You watch five minutes and then you move on. I don't know if that's the best way of doing things because it feels like it all halts and you just have to watch. Right. So um, I, I, if I was to do it, I would probably do it, but do five minutes of cutscene, then play some more than five minutes, you know, to intersperse it. But uh, yeah, it's a cool game. Um, and the other thing, it's not a game. We finished watching Jessica Jones this week. Jessica Jones has been out nearly a year, so spoilers and stuff. <laughs> if you've not seen it yet, just switch off. Yeah, definitely. You really want to spoil it. But what did you think of... Um, I mean, 
I'm a big Marvel fan, so I watch anything Marvel. Literally anything. Like, I watch all of it. And you're not as much, but you do watch Marvel stuff. You have watched most stuff. Most of the movies, but I don't really care about watching the shows, but... Well, Jessica Jones is not something I knew about at all, and Mm -hmm. you didn't. No. And we watched it this week. I never even knew Iron Man existed before Iron Man movies started, so that tells you my level of interest in comics, which is zero. You as a zero interest, how did you find Jessica Jones, which is a Netflix show? Love that, and Daredevil. Both of them. I mean... I've said so many times, every, we, every time we watch it, I'm like, the, the acting isn't, like, you know, you watch, I've watched so much television movies in my life, you start categorizing, and there is a certain type of acting, even the Iron Man movies and the Thor movies and all those, they have a certain, like, um, eh, attitude, like, we know you're watching because this is going to be cool and mm. we're going to have to be theatrical and smart assy and all that shit right now that's a whole different category these shows particularly jessica jones while she has her moments of a little bit over a little bit over going inside of herself and her gestures are a little bit much on because she's very dark on the inside we'll say you know she's depressed she's sad she's you know and very occasionally she has that but everybody including her everyone is good yeah purple man Great. I mean, not good. Some are bad. Yeah, but good as in the performances <laughs> yeah. are all like compelling, and I'm 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 with them. They're not overdoing it a lot of times, unless it's necessary. The bad guy in this show called Kilgrave, played by Doctor Who David Tennant, <laughs> you'll all know him from Doctor Who. Um, the power that this bad guy has, which is he can Control your mind. mind manipulation, but he, if he says to you, "Stick your thumb up your bum." You'll do it immediately, right? You're, you don't know why. You, you don't know why. Do you just start yeah. doing that. And what he does in this, and the, there's no holes barred in this show. It's not like, um, oh, it's Marvel, so yeah, it's The first be- time we meet him, he goes into a family's home and says, let me in. So the dad lets him in. The woman says, who's this? And he says, it doesn't matter. Make me some dinner. And so she's like, okay. Yeah. And then the children are sitting there looking at him and talking. And he says, go in the closet. He says children should be seen and not heard. Get in the closet. Yeah, so they go in the closet. (laughs) And the girl says, but I have to pee. And he's like, just go in the closet. And then you're like, Then you see pee come out of the closet. He's a jerk. Yeah, and and he does various things throughout the show where it's like... A spoiled little brat is what he is. He knows that he can do this. And it's it's very well portrayed that his life is so infinitely boring and but easy because it's easy yeah. everything he can have anything he wants and and he's this spoiled little brat of a kid who was well, a grown man but i mean that's the vibe you get and all he wants is someone genuinely to that's his whole thing isn't it yeah. jessica but is... you never i never sympathized with him you know, even after you see a little bit of his origins with his parents and the experiments i never once because once you understand the way they make it, you don't have any sympathy for him. I didn't anyway. There was never a moment like, oh, it's so I think tough. it's the same with Daredevil and the Kingpin. It shows you in season yeah. one the Kingpin's origin story. And yes, he was horribly treated as a kid. And some really shitty stuff went on. But it doesn't excuse point, why he's he terrible. Go, yeah, like. he goes beyond that. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, you're making a choice. And Kilgrave is literally a sadistic asshole. Because Kilgrave could literally <laughs> be the greatest hero of all and, time. And he, she tries to... He could roam the world and say in everybody's ear, grow food to um, feed starving Stop people. Stop killing each other. No more. You don't... 
like, you can accept this person's resume. You will never molest another child. You will never murder another person. You will never beat your wife again. Your name, he could get up in front of a speaker, now we, or a microphone. He could, at some point, extend his powers to a degree. And solve all the, he's not like a Thor or a guy with a big fist or a Batman or in that bullshit where it's very singular what they can do. He could have literally been a character that, but they made him into a bad guy and the worst kind. Not even like, he's not even like, I want to rule the world. It's more like little individual. Well, put it this way. Satisfy me. If he wants sex, he'll just command a woman to have sex with him. We never saw that, but. He's done it. It's implied, yeah. So that's a rape. I mean, it's, yes. he does that. He does... But the thing is, he doesn't see it that way. No. So that's what's really complicated If he needs money, it. it's very easy to get money. He just he can say, hand me your money. Or Go in the bank and say, I would like a million He goes to a poker cash. game yeah. and tells them all to fold and takes all the money. You know, uh, what else does he do this? So he's made into a character that you are compelled by because you're like, whoa, imagine. Yeah, it's cool. And then you're like, oh, but he could get tripped up and he's vulnerable. He's just a human. He can be killed at any time. He can get shot or punched or whatever. He's not, like, impenetrable. No. Like Mr. Lucas. Um, and he's not strong like Jessica. Jessica Jones, by the way, is a. Yeah, she's got superpowers. One of my, ma- my favorite things is when you start this show, because me knowing nothing, zero, all I know is she's a private eye because the opening sequence actually kind of gives you that yeah. clue. I have no idea that she has anything. I don't. I didn't know that she was anything, and all of a sudden, slowly you're like, you see weird very things. Very slowly, yeah. because a car is driving away from her, but the next thing is she's right next to it and you're like not running but like at the stop sign where the guy drove like a half a mile and you're like I was like oh that's weird and then another thing and and it slowly unfolds that she is very strong just powerful like she can punch you through a wall and she can jump and it's almost like flying yeah, all that she kind of had, stuff she's a good good as a private eye because she can just break doors down to me it's done in a way that's you know very satisfying. So, but, I, and, and what you learn later on, like Jessica Jones, uh, you, she did was a superhero for a little time, small Tiny, time, but yeah. And she did uh, well. I don't know in this universe whether she did, but she helped the Avengers in some way. But that is like not part of this story. No, it's something no. that happened. But still, you have to think of oh wow, she really tried that, but it didn't work for her. She's not that type of person. Uh, that's not why. We understand now why. Because the moment that she was doing something, Kilgrave walked up and stopped her and took her over. Right, but... Started controlling her immediately while she was in the middle of trying to be a superhero. So she, that's not why she stopped. She stopped because his... She did say at one point that mind. she didn't think she would Right, because be what he anyway, did to like, her... She was a different person before. Like, they portrayed it as she was a different person yeah, before. Yeah, like, more fun. And then he came along, and that put the dark in her mind. That's why she stopped being. So now the next season she could become the superhero. Well, put that's the costume on. it's alluded to because all the calls she's getting, like mm, my husband's like, beating me, and da da da. So it's like Bruce Almighty when he gets all the things on the. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! I can't help everybody. Why do people love that movie? I don't know. I don't get it. Um, so yeah, Jessica Jones is on Netflix. It's been out about a year, so you can. I really enjoyed it. Watch the whole thing. Uh, and it's leading up to Luke Cage, which is the next Netflix show, which they introduced Luke Cage very well in this mm-hmm. show. Enough. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to see what he does now. Um, but not he's not like the hero of it no. or anything. But it, you do know him enough now to go, oh, yeah, I could watch a show with him in it because he's good. And Patsy. She's my favorite. Yeah. Really good performance. I like how the around. shows can Daredevil and this kind of cross over slightly. Not too much, but slightly. It's well done. 
So yeah, um, Jessica Jones, you can see that now. So what's for dinner, Sid Talk? Tonight will be the Jimmy Johns yet again. I wish we got a free sandwich every time I said that. Maybe you tell them when you go to the window. <laughs> hey, we mentioned you yeah. in a podcast. Um, I talked to your corporate headquarters <laughs> and they said, because I just, <laughs> the guy at the window might be like, okay. Whatever. If he was Kilgrave, you could get a free sandwich. Oh my God. See, imagine. <laughs> imagine. It doesn't, it's very easy if you're him, isn't it? So, uh, Sid Talk, before we leave, what is your advice? My advice is, and a lot of people aren't going to like this, so be prepared. Okay. And I'm, I'm as, this is advice to myself as well, so don't think that I'm being all judgmental and shit, but stop being weak. Don't be weak. And by weak, I mean, I don't mean weak like I can't. Like the guy on the sheriffs. Yes. (laughs) You don't know, you don't know as a listener what we mean. No, uh, there's this thing and it's fear. I think it's fear that makes people appear to me to be weak. And I could be completely wrong, but I don't care. There is this weakness in people that gives them a fear of shit. And it's like, it leads to all kinds of things. For an example. Um, like, you know, I have a lot of pain in my hips and my knees and my feet. Well, I've been round, meaning overweight most of my life. And I've been very active. You know, I've had a lot of surgery things, and, you know, now I'm almost 50 years old. I'm developing things that are directly related to all these things together. I don't sit here and go, oh, well, I I can't go out and work in the garden because my hip's really hurting. Like, I say, fuck it. My hip really hurts. But you know what? I'm going to drag my ass as long as I can do it. I'm going to get up on my sore feet and I'm going to walk on my wobbly fat butt hip and I'm going to do it. I'm going to get on the bike, even though, because we rode the bikes a couple times this week. Ugh, I mean, my <laughs> my butt muscles and my knees are all, all swollen up. My hands are all swollen up. Whatever happens, I get this swollen up thing. Everything hurts, but it's it's truly not an excuse to be weak about the thing I want to do. Like, and I get annoyed with people. Like, well, you know, and I I see it in everything. If I go to work and I say, oh, let's do this thing, this project. Uh, better not. Nobody told us to. So I, 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 nobody told me to do that. So I better not do it. I think that's weak. I think it's bullshit. I think it's like, what is your life? What is your life if you are weak and you don't have a little bit of... Maybe you have strength in other areas I don't know about, but I don't see it. I see people... I try to watch people very closely. And I see a pattern of behavior in some people. Well, I have this one little health problem. Therefore, this set of a million things I cannot do. Okay? But you can. You just won't. It's an excuse. And what else did I put on there? Oh, that. That's a weakness, too. That people say this thing about me, like, okay, I love my nieces with all of my heart. I would die for them. I would kill for them. There are my two, I have two nieces and I have some great nieces and whatnot, but I have two nieces. And one of them has this thing where she's recently said, she's 30 years old, and she said, something, something, the war on introverts is really bad something something and I said what are you talking about well the war on introverts you know I know it because at work you know I like quiet and I need my private time and the war on on being an introvert it's it's so obvious that everybody just wants to 
you know, turn you into an extrovert. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Did you read this somewhere? No stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's like, because she is who she is, she wants to turn that into her being persecuted in some way, or that somebody's picking on her because of this thing that she's now defined because of all this bullshit she's read, and then turning that into my mind as a, somewhat of a weakness. Like, oh, I'm poor me. I'm getting, and I don't, I'm not saying that's how she is, but I hear it from all different people, and it comes out the same way. Oh, well, you know, I'm this religion, so everybody's trying to make me ashamed of my religion. Well, only you can do that, right? I'm this political party, so everybody's trying to, to, to you know, persecute me for that, and now they're going to take away my freedoms, and I'm going to lose all my rights. Well, no, no, you're not. You're full of shit. <laughs> like, you're turning this thing into a poor me, victimized unnecessarily. There are victims in the world of terrible things. 100% justified. But if you claim to be a victim or persecuted or, uh, I just better not do that because something bad might happen. It's all weakness. You know, grow a set of breasts to be stronger or whatever it takes. A set of balls, a set of boobs, a set of some whatever makes you stronger. I don't even know how to help people in this. But if you feel like you're this person, afraid of everything... What are you afraid of? Like, I don't particularly see you as a particularly strong, out there kind of person either. I think you're not a risk taker. You're pretty safe, right? That translates to me as a bit of weakness. But I don't mean that in a horrible way. <laughs> That's why I said people aren't going to like this. Because it's just my point of view. And I'm not saying that every, jump off a building because you're strong and that's cool or anything. Or this guy walking from across from the Twin Towers is what we should all be doing. But it's those little tiny things. The little tiny like, oh, I better not do my hair this way because somebody will look at me funny at work. Or I better not wear my purple shoes with my pink socks because somebody will think I'm not acting my age. Ugh. It's weak. All right, so <laughs> let me remind you about... No, I've got, like, did I lose a bunch of people there with that? But I hope people get what I'm saying. I'm not always good at articulating they, my they thought. <laughs> so let me remind you about our websites, ascully.com and sitsock.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the RSS feed, ascully.com slash podcast. You can listen to it on the page. You can also email ascully at ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. He hates you all. <laughs> I don't hate anybody. And this is not correct. I don't hate anybody. I don't. Stay classy, Mr. Robert Zemeckis. I think uh, you should carry on making movies like you do, because it's your thing. And I'm going to say thank for yourselves, because if you're not doing it, somebody's doing it for you. <laughs>